talking baseball. Klazuski, Campanella talking baseball. The man and Bobby Fella. Let me borrow a line from Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. It's good to be back with you. Welcome to Dirty Kurt's Dugout. Grab a cushion, take a seat. Our first episode of 2019. And what other topic can you do the first episode on than the Hall of Fame? I know we can talk about Machado. We can talk about Harper, really. Are you tired of it? I know I am. I'm tired of hearing the names. I tell you what, the one thing I'm not tired of is what is going on with free agents. That's another show. We could actually talk to Jay Jaffe about that, but we're not going to. We're definitely going to talk to him about the Hall of Fame because there's nobody else that knows more about the Hall of Fame than Jay Jaffe, who's a senior writer for Fangraphs, contributing writer for SI.com. The thing that I just found out recently I don't know why I didn't know it before. I don't know why I wasn't consulted on the Futility Infielder website. It's one of baseball's oldest blogs put together by Jay. And Jay also put together JAWS, which is the metric for Hall of Fame analysis and is the author of the Cooperstown Casebook. You can follow him on at J underscore Jaffe. He's really an interesting guy. And, Jay, why wasn't I consulted on the futility infielder? Jay, welcome to the show. Happy 2019. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How's everything in your neck of the woods? Uh, not too bad. Just gearing up for an exciting week here with all the Hall of Fame stuff coming. So let me let me ask somebody that's de- as deeply involved in the Hall of Fame voting, balloting, the whole overseeing of the Hall of Fame and what happens at this time of the year. Do you start getting excited, or has it just become kind of old school to you? No, it's exciting. I mean, I you know I I I, uh, um, I think it's it's a it's a fun uh, uh, sometimes exasperating, but generally pretty fun uh, and exciting time. Um, you know, and, and uh, certainly uh, it's a nice change of pace from uh, what uh, we've seen over the last couple of years in terms of the hot stove being not so hot here uh, with all the uh, 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 hand-wringing over free agency and, and, and the pace at which players are signed and, and salary growth and things like that. This is a nice diversion from that. And, uh, um, you know, lately with all the players that we've seen getting in, uh, I think it's been a fairly positive thing in terms of uh, – uh, you know, finally getting some of these guys uh, some overdue uh, Cooperstown justice. So do you look at it as positive if eight guys get inducted? Um, you know, in general, yes. I mean, I, I'm, I'm much happier, you know, to see um, the guys that uh, I've been advocating for uh, get recognized, even if once in a while somebody that I'm maybe less keen on gets in as well. Um, you know, I'm not going to let uh, – uh, my head scratching over, let's say, Harold Baines, for example, uh, dampened my enthusiasm for Edgar Martinez getting in. And speaking of Ed- Edgar Martinez, as the voting stands right now, um, I think I read last where there's about 45% of the ballots that are in. I guess they're going to keep everything else secret until the end because I tell you what, there's some guys that are right on the fence as far as getting in or not. 
What is this year going to do if Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens gets in? Well, they're not going to get in. When you look at the tracker, you have to understand that that, uh, most of the people who – who are reporting, I think, uh, uh, their ballots beforehand, or the people who, who tend to be, um, let's just say, a little bit more generous with their votes. Uh, we generally see the people who don't uh, report their ballots. They're more conservative uh, with their votes. Uh, they tend not to support Bonds and Clemens. So I think you can throw out those 72% uh, or whatever, which is, what, which is what they're getting right now, and figure that they're going to drop by about 10 points uh, into the low 60s. Um, so I don't think that, that that's really uh, uh, a likelihood that they're going to get in. I don't think Kurt, Kurt Schilling, also 73.9% on the tracker, uh, I think he's going to fall into the 60s as well. Um, you know, these guys are building towards election eventually, but it's not going to happen this year. I think the real question is whether Mike Messina, uh, who's at 82.4% in the tracker, is going to fall uh, or is going to stay high enough or is it going to experience a fall off. Last year, I think something like uh, – uh, only about 60 percent uh, of the non of the uh, the, the unpublished ballots uh, supported him. So we can expect that number to go down, and I think it's going to be uh, you know a quote unquote photo finish in terms of where he, where he winds up relative to 75 percent. My guest on Dirty Kurtz Dugout, Jay Jaffe, creator of Jaws, which is a metric for Hall of Fame analysis. And he's also the author of Cooperstown Casebook. If you want to read a book that's really interesting, go out and buy this book. And if you want to go to a fun blog, and I didn't go to this until lately, but I want to know why the hell my picture's not on it, the Futility Infielder, which is one of the (laughs) oldest blogs in baseball, and it's really a kick. I went on uh, there and read some good stuff, Jay. Congratulations. Thank, thank you. You know, that was, that was the first thing I did when I was writing about baseball back uh, circa 2001, and I haven't really written for, the, for that blog uh, uh, in quite a long time. But, uh, uh, you know, I was fascinated by the guys who were at the margins of the major leagues because I, that, was, that was my playing career in the little leagues. Um, and I'm sure I probably wrote about you at some point. I don't think I put, put out your picture, but uh, uh, I'm sure I probably mentioned, mentioned you at some point uh, uh, on there because there were the uh, uh, you know the, the the super subs the scrubs the guys who who uh, you know were, were 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 I guess the opposite of all stars but still managed to carve out time in the big leagues so um, you know I, I I had an attraction for those I think it goes back to collecting baseball cards so I I <laughs> it's it, it's really funny because I went on there I didn't know whether to feel hurt. <laughs> or whether to go, man, I'm glad he didn't put my picture and my name in there. Because there yeah, were a lot I, of guys I, I, that fell right into the category of my playing career who, you know, at times did a lot of good things. But then there were times where, the, you know, they sat on the pine a lot like I did. Right. Yeah. Well, no, you know, most of them didn't have, you know, most of them didn't have, uh, uh, you know, an exciting uh, showing in the World Series like you did in 1984, though. You, uh, uh, you had a pretty good run there. That It, it was all fun. Hey, I want to ask you about a couple of more guys before we go. Uh, and these two guys, in my mind, uh, don't deserve to be chained and shackled because they played uh, their, uh, their games at one ballpark, and that's Todd Helton and Larry Walker. Um, I mean, they've got some numbers that are in the top 20 to 25 of all players in Major League history. But because they're playing in Coors Field, uh, they're being punished for that. Um, do you think either one of those guys, before it gets to a veterans committee vote, will ever get inducted into the Hall of Fame? 
It's a really good question. Um, we have seen a very strong surge for Larry Walker's candidacy. Just you know, a few years ago, he was in the low 20s. Uh, last year, he got to 34%, which was a significant gain. Uh, this year, he's polling at 67%, and, and the feeling is he's probably going to wind up in the high 50s here when this is all said and done. Um, that would be a, a really marvelous uh, uh, step forward for him. Uh, it would, you know, it would put him, it would give him an outside shot, let's say, at getting to 75% next year, his final year on the ballot. But that's going to be a really close one. Um, I think it's more likely that he gets that he's positioned well for the for the uh, today's game committee a few years down the road. But I'm hopeful that he can get in. Helton, uh, you know, slow starter with his candidacy here, but. Uh, um, you know, I think uh, uh, hopefully he's getting he, right now. He's polling at 19.7 percent here. Um, you know, if Walker can get in, I think that's going to help Helton. Uh, and I do think that uh, uh, once we see just you know how quickly a guy like Walker can rise, uh, you know, in these uh, uh, over, you know in a few years' time, it's not outside the realm that Helton could get in by the time his 10 years are up. Um, you know, I'm hopeful, especially as this ballot, you know, we've had such a backlog of, of strong candidates going all the way back really to 2013 when, you know, you had Bonds and Clemens and Biggio and Sosa and, and Piazza and Schilling all hit the ballot at the same time. Um, you know, it's it's been harder for the for the less obvious candidates to make headway, but that traffic is thinning out, and I think Helton will get more attention here uh, over the next few years. Well, Jay, as always, I appreciate you uh, you joining us on the show. I, I want to try to get you to come back after the Hall of Fame election, but not necessarily to talk about the Hall of Fame because I, along with what I think you might believe, there's something fishy going on with the owners in the game, and I want to discuss the Players Association and the next collective bargaining agreement, and I couldn't think of anybody that I'd want to talk to it about more than you. All right, I'd be happy to. Yeah, because there's, uh, there's a little bit going on somehow in this deal. I don't know exactly what it is, but yeah, it's a, like it's, I just said, I, it's for I, a different show. Yeah, I think you're right. I'd be happy to. Let's do it. Okay. Jay Jaffe, thank you so much for joining us on Dirty Kurt's Dugout. You know, you can go to patreon.com slash Kurt Bavacqua, nose around, see if there's anything that you like. And help us out. We want to keep this show on the air. We want to keep giving you good content. We want to keep bringing you great guests like the next one, Barry Bloom, contributing national baseball writer, continual since like 1980. He's a national writer right now for Forbes.com. He recently created a bit of a stir when he not only voted for Kurt Schilling, you notice we didn't mention Kurt Schilling's name because he's not going to get elected, but said that writers were not voting for him because of his political views. We're going to talk to Barry about that. He's a continuing contributor to this show, Dirty Kurt's Dugout. I want to welcome Barry Bloom. Barry, welcome to the show. How are you, my friend? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing okay. So do you get a little excited this time of year? waiting on the vote yeah uh, to a certain extent you know I think we've made uh, an actual mistake with the re- revelation of our ballots too many it was it was a good thing when nobody was doing it and it was a small percentage but I think you've gotten to the point now where 
how many people are doing it, and they're, they're tracking it to such a degree that you already know who's going to be in by the time the uh, election happens. And I don't think that was the, uh, the whole purpose of it. I mean, I agree that the vote should be transparent, and I was one of the first people to do it. But I think if it was up to me, I would vote among baseball writers to just hold it now until after the election and then, you know, release your ballots. I just don't think it's any fun to know that going into the election, half the electorate already is voting people in. So I'm, I'm glad you're talking about that because I just had Jay Jaffe on, and without saying so, he admitted that the system was broken and needs to be fixed. And he suggested that especially uh, in the veterans committees that they have, the numerous ones, and they're, I know they're called something else now, but I'm going to call them veterans committee just because that's... Yeah, they're error committees now, yeah. There you go. Uh, to add possibly uh, two to three times as many people, that way one or two people that are on the committee can't sway the vote. You know, A, number one, Jay Jaffe's not a voter, and, you know, while I respect him and I certainly respect what he does, I, I don't really care what Jay Jaffe has to say. Oh, really? Well, let me or, add, or, or any or anybody who's a non-voter. Well, what you the know, hell? Is, yeah, but what does that make? Uh, what difference does that make? Everybody has an opinion. I mean, we're all involved in the game. Everybody has an opinion, but he has no effect on the. He doesn't vote in the system, and he's not part of the system. And so, you know, he can. He certainly has his right to opinion. I'm just telling you, I don't care what he has to say. Okay. Does Harold okay, Baines deserve one. to yeah, be in the Hall of Fame? One. I'm sorry? Does Harold Baines what, deserve what, to be in the Hall what, of Fame? Let me finish what I was saying. Oh, I thought Let's you were go, done. Because you already asked me, you know, it was a, a kind of a multi-part question. No, when the error, the error committees have nothing to do with what the BBWAA does. We have an election every year. The Hall of Fame has, has, has screwed up our election, not by anything we've done. We have no impact on what the Hall of Fame allows us to do. They unilaterally tell us what to do. They have cut the, the eligibility from 15 years to 10 years for no reason at all except to get the, uh, the, the PED candidates off the ballot as quickly as possible. They have totally, they're constantly adjusting the error, the error committee or veteran committees because by and large, they hadn't been getting any players voted in for many years, and now you're starting to get the drips and drabs of, you know, people who we haven't voted in voting in. So now, yeah, the answer to your just question, Lee Smith I, I was on our ballot for 15 years. There were times when he got up to 40% of the vote. The last time he was on the our ballot, I think he was down to about 30%. I have no problem. I voted for Lee Smith every year. I'm not sure what the problem was in our base that people voted for Gossage and Souter, but not Lee Smith. It never made any sense to me, so I'm glad Lee Smith got in. Harold Baines was on our ballot for five years. He never got any more than 6% of the vote. I think it's a very slippery slope when a committee is starting to elect people who are not getting any traction whatsoever and not are even staying on the ballot he was a 15-year candidate, and he stayed on the ballot for five years. Every one of the players who was on this recent error committee ballot would knocked off the ballot, our ballot, 
except for Smith. Every one of them, some of them, most of them, I think there were eight candidates, uh, eight, eight player candidates, and seven of them were knocked off our ballot after, or six of them were knocked off our ballot after the first year because they didn't get requisite 5%. They're not Hall of Famers. Harold Baines, God bless him. I'm glad he got in for him. I have no problems with anybody being elected in, but he, he does not, he, you know, based on our vote and what happened with it, they're undermining our vote doing what they're doing now. But they're not putting Garvey in. Garvey was a 50% for 40% guy for 15 years on our ballot. And, and every time he gets on a veteran committee ballot based on the makeup of the committee, he doesn't even get, uh, you know, like enough votes for them to tell us how many votes he got. So okay. Harold Baines is in, but Garvey's not in. You know what I can't figure out, Bear? votes for Larry, Larry Walker and, and, and Todd Helton. You know, it, the whole – and this is where I agree to a certain extent. It's not broken, but it, it, it's screwed up. The whole system is screwed up. And the, by and large, it is because, A, the, the, the living Hall of Famers want to keep it as a closed club and they don't want to vote anybody else in. B, Jane Forbes Clark wants to keep it as basically 1% of the population that played baseball – she wants to also keep it a, a, a very low amount of people in the hall to keep the exclusivity. And, and that's where it is. So I, as a writer, I have no say in it. All I could do is get my ballot every year and decide within the parameters of what they tell me to vote. And that's what I do. All the things that Jay brought up, especially uh, when him and I coordinated on the Reinsdorf thing and the fact that Harold Baines got voted in the Hall of Fame in the uh, in a Veterans Committee vote. Um, just proves to you that there has well, to be something was, done to fix that. Well, it, it wasn't only Reinsdorf; it was uh, it, it was Larusa too. So and, there there was a combination on this particular committee that helped Baines get in. There's no question about it. But there was a combination on every committee. There were the year Dick Allen missed by a vote. There was a combination on that committee that included Jim Bunning and Roland Heeman, and those guys wanted him in. And then uh, Bob Watson got sick, and he was on the committee, and he was going to vote for him, and he got sick, and he couldn't make it to the meeting. And based on the old Ted Williams rule where if you're not there, you can't vote, they replaced him on the committee with Dombrowski, and, uh, and he lost that vote, and Dick Allen didn't get in. And it created a, you know, a firestorm. It's a firestorm that still is going. And that was under a different set setup. I mean, they had a committee where that had 70-some-odd people voting this in previously. Every living Hall of Famer was in on that committee. And they, they never voted a player in. Every makeup of these small committees, you're going to have this issue because you're going to have people on the committee who are going to sway to it. And, it, and make it clear here that, you know, Jaffe should understand, and you should understand, that the ballot is selected by a totally exterior group of people. You know, it's not like they go, oh, well, Reinsdorf and, and, and uh, you know, Larissa are going to be on this committee, so let's put Baines on that ballot. That's not the way it works. The ballot is collected, it's set up, and then they select a committee, and in the past, they used to announce the committee in advance, 
and they don't do that anymore because of what happened with Dombrowski and Watson. So, I mean, you don't even know who's on the committee until the vote is taken. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a held secret by, by, by the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. which is not transparent about what they do. Right. Well, it's, You've got to look at it from the point of view that this is Jane Forbes Clark's fightful. I'm not against that. She, it's her, her family. They invested in this. They own, you know, the, they're a nonprofit that runs the Hall of Fame and four or five other museums up there. They own a conservancy which covers the lake and keeps it pristine. So, so buildings and houses are not built on on the far side of the lake outside of Cooperstown. You know, there it's their baby, and I don't have any problem with it. It's their baby, but that's her fiefdom, and she controls it. And until it's my fiefdom, there's nothing else I can do about it. I can make suggestions like the fact, and so we do. I mean, like the fact that the baseball writers essentially, you know, we voted that we wanted to expand the ballot to 12 people. We had a committee for a year that studied this, and they said the only rule change we'd like is we don't want an unlimited ballot. We just want a ballot that that, that would uh, expand to 12. You know, it, it was set up at a vote at one of our meetings. We, we pretty much unanimously passed it, and then it went to the Hall of Fame Board of Directors, and they wouldn't approve it. Then we voted, you know, that that everybody liked the liked the votes after, for the awards that baseball writers do. That's completely transparent, and everybody who votes knows they're going to have their they're going to have to be to speak up for their vote. And basically, we voted overwhelmingly to do that. And then the whole went to the Hall of Fame Board of Directors, and they voted it down and said, we can't do it. So now, you know, it's sort of like, well, if you want, if you, you know, we, we are inclined to do it. And if you want to do it, you can, you can ask us to post your ballot on the website, uh, you know, after the vote. And then you have this crazy thing that I was talking about earlier, which has now gotten out of hand because of the tracking and the analytics of it, where you already know who's getting into the Hall of Fame. You know, it, it, it's ridiculous. The whole thing is, is, is ridiculous. And, yeah, you would say it's broken. I could say, you know, uh, I have my issues with it. You know, and, and to a certain extent, the BVA is part of the problem because BBWA is part of the problem because we didn't police our own people. I mean, this, uh, the whole thing started with the Hall of Fame because, you know, uh, Dan Levertard gave his ballot to Deadspin, which, which is strictly prohibited, and he wound up getting, you know, like suspended for a year. He lost his Hall of Fame vote forever. And then the Hall of Fame made it, makes us even qualify every year now. You have to apply for your vote every year. It used to be if you were a 10-year, uh, you know, member of the baseball writers, you became an automatic Hall of Fame voter, and then you also became a, a lifetime member of the Hall of Fame. Now you still become a lifetime member, but you know there are restrictions on on your vote for the Hall of Fame. If you're not active, you know you only have ten more years after you're not active to vote in the Hall of Fame. So I mean, it's, it's messed unwieldy. up. It's you messed know, up. It's just where it is. It is. It is what it is. And for all of you out there uh, just sitting with your mouth open, um, now you're finding out stuff that you're not going to get on any other show. But before you go, Barry, I've got to ask you something. You write for Forbes.com. 
I saw an article that you wrote for someone else the other day, and it was about is cheating just part of baseball's DNA? You don't write right. – it's not – is it still like the old days where there are headline writers and there are writers? Or do you write your own well, headline for that? You didn't. Re- you don't really yeah. believe that the things that no, we I talked about in that article are cheating. Hey, I don't write – no, at Forbes I do write my own headlines. Every once in a while, you know, they'll, they'll change or adjust the headline, but based it, it'll be based – Loosely on, you know, the same thing I wrote or what I wrote in the story. But for the Global Sports Network, you know, uh, Matters site that I write for, uh, that that's totally up to them. It's not up to me. Okay, for all of you listening, wondering what the heck we're talking about here. Uh, Barry wrote an article about things that we've seen in the past about – uh, players that are on second base relaying signs to the hitter if they can pick up uh, not only the pitch but also the location. Of course, that's very important. Uh, pitchers tipping off what they're going to throw. I mean, John Curtis pitched for the Boston Red Sox uh, one year earlier in my career. He tipped off every single pitch that he threw because he only had two, a fastball and a curveball. I tell you what, we never beat John Curtis in Boston. So – this tipping it off and now calling it cheating, now I'm not saying you are, but people referring to it as cheating is the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. Is it cheating when a defensive back sees something that a quarterback does when he's over the ball that's going to call for him the pass to a certain receiver? Is that cheating? I never see football writers talk about that or football fans accused players in football of cheating. Is it cheating when Steph Curry's coming down the court and when he passes the three-point line, if he looks to his left, he's going to drive to the basket? If somebody picked that up, if, in fact, Steph Curry does that, is that cheating? Well, it's the same thing as we're talking about here. And the things that you pointed out in that article. To the light this year and the last couple of years, is the fact that you have an era now where you have technology, you have Apple Watches, iPads, you have computers, you have guys sitting there, you know, in in boxes, crunching the analytics of a game as it's going on. I mean, the, the Diamondbacks, for example, they have a box with 10 or 12 people who are constantly crunching numbers all game. And so there's no cheating if... That, those numbers are applied to the next game, but if you're transmitting that information down to the field via an iPad or an iWatch, it's cheating. I'm just trying to figure and out, where, and that's where that's where the problem is now, and that's where the Astros got in trouble this year for having a guy with a camera dugout. The uh, the Red Sox were stealing signs and using Apple watches to transmit it. It's the same thing as I pointed out in the article. You know, when Drosher had a guy sitting in the clubhouse at uh, at the Polo Grounds in 51, and that guy was looking at the catcher's sign with a binocular, you know, sending the sign to the bullpen. The sign was then transmitted by by a ring to the to the bench and was given to the players. Yeah, that's cheating. Now, is it cheating that? Uh, you know, um, that Kershaw brings his hands up to the top when he's in the stretch and people can pick off his pitches. No, that's not necessarily cheating, 
but it's just in the game. And and it, and in the whole thing with Eduardo Perez, no, almost no eyesight in, in in his lead eye, and he was able to adjust and read pitchers to a certain extent that he could play in the major leagues for ten years. It's just that's just the way that that you can survive in the big leagues and that you can get anything done. So it's not that everything is cheating. It's just these are the nuances of the game that I don't think, you know, people scream about. They scream that Manny Machado was standing on second base trying to steal signs. Well, yeah, that's been going on in baseball for time immemorial. But, you know, the question of whether it's cheating or not, you know, it's it, that, that's totally up in the eye of the beholder. And since, you know, you were a guy who played on the margins in your early career, and I don't think I'm offending you by saying that. Played on I mean, the margins? What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, you survived in the major leagues, not only with your, you know, your talent, but whatever you were short with, you, you survived on your guile and being able you, to, to do other things that kept you in the game. That's what you did. That's a true and story. I can understand you being offended by that. I'm not really offended. I, 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 I just find it comical sometimes when I when I hear people saying stuff like that. It's not comical, and it's a. I think you're viewing it through the prism of the way the game was back when you played and the way it is today, and it's just a completely different game. And whether you like that or not, don't like that or not, it just really is. The, I, I, I can tell you one thing. It, if a guy's standing on second base and the pitcher's looking into the hitter on what to throw, and he's able to pick up a sign or pick up location and relay it somehow to the hitter, that's not a different game. It's the same exact game. It's just a different day and age where everybody's out there picking everything apart every chance they get, and it's ridiculous. It, in my mind, it's ridiculous. Well, that's just that's just the you know the era we live in. Whether it's politics, whether it's the news, whether it's sports, you do pick it apart. And back to the NFL, yeah, there's plenty of problems, and the NFL gets called on crap they do all the time, like the the, the Spygate thing with New England, you know, uh, filming practices that they weren't supposed to be filming, and you know, inflating and deflating footballs. I mean, you, people do. There are rules. Yeah, flay, and are inflating rules. and deflating footballs is cheating. I, I right. if you and, film a practice, is it any different than? And I'm not even saying whether or not it's right or wrong. But if you're filming a practice, is it the same or not the same as having a couple of people there just watching it? You're not allowed to have somebody there just watching it. They don't even let the. Media I know who made that rule anyway. The teams make the rules. Okay, that's true. And, you know, back in the day when I covered the NBA, you could sit there and watch watch a practice. I mean, I used to watch the Raiders practice when Al Davis was, was the owner, and basically he wouldn't let a, a writer from the visiting team come in and watch his practices before a game. But he let the people who were regulars around his team, he trusted us enough that we watched practice. Now, I'm not that astute about any of this, that I could go chart what the Raiders are doing and sell it to the opposite team, or that sitting in on a Suns practice and then and you know and writing up what they were doing, what they're doing, and giving it to their opponent that night. But they restrict it now because they don't want to even take the chance of people doing that. And so when you have those rules, you can't come in and video the guy's practice. Follow Barry exactly. Bloom on Twitter at Boomski B O O M. 
S-K-I-E. Barry, as usual, I love talking to you, buddy. Okay, me too. Thank you very much for spending time with me on the show. Take the splinters out of your fanny, and I'll talk to you next time. Be, All right, be good. I'm looking forward to the Hall of Fame announcement. That's on the 22nd on the MLB Network. Yeah, right on MLB. Probably, I would think, around 3 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. If you're wondering exactly where things sit right now, Mariano Rivera is at 100%. I think that's ridiculous. There's no reliever in the world, as good as he was, deserves to be elected with 100% of the vote when Mickey Mantle and Ty Cobb and Joe DiMaggio and all the rest of the greats that are in the Hall of Fame didn't even approach that. Griffey. Ken Griffey Jr. holds the record right now. Nobody deserves to break it. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. Or it's just the way I feel. Roy Holiday. Sentimental vote, 203 wins. He's got 94.1% of the vote right now. Edgar Martinez has got just a shy under 91%. And Mike Messina, he's at 82.3%. And unless something drastically changed, like Jay Jaffe alluded to, the votes that are coming in and 45% of the votes are already in, Mike Pacina is going to be elected into the Hall of Fame. Those four guys are going to join Lee Smith and Harold Baines being inducted in Cooperstown the 19th through the 21st. Todd Helton out. McGriff out. Bonds and Clements, they're at 93. Uh, I'm sorry, 73 and 72.6 right now. Are they going to increase or decrease, Jay Jaffe says, decrease. Hey, everybody, patreon.com slash Kurt Go there, check us out. We're going to have a lot of exciting new things for you this year, and one of them is going to be next episode, so keep an eye out where my guest is going to be Joe Morgan, the Hall of Famer, Joe Morgan, who has been on committee after committee, after committee in Cooperstown. And I'm going to go over tape of this show, and I'm going to pull out everything that I possibly can about what Jay Jaffe said, what Barry Bloom said, and I'm going to talk to Joe about it on the next episode. So join us. Welcome back to Dirty Kurtz Dugout 2019 edition. This was our first show for the year, and we're looking forward to plenty more. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you soon. Klazuski, Campanella, talking Bella, the scooter, the barber, and the nuke. They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque, especially Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Well, Casey was winning, Hank Aaron was beginning, one Robbie going out.